Amen. Thank you, worship team, for that. You guys can be seated. And, uh, man, I'm really thankful for our worship team leading us in that and, and reminding us of how great and glorious God is. It's just good to set our minds on him. Thankful for that. And uh, now we have this privilege to open our Bibles, if you would, and go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you so uh, you can uh, get our usher's attention. If you don't have one, they'll give one to you. And if you don't own one, just uh, take that one with you. That's a gift from us to you. Or you can follow along with us on the Bible app. And we are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're continuing our series uh, per, uh, the power of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is coming. We got uh, one more week, which means most of you are making plans, plans to uh, spend some time with family. You're making plans for food, figuring out who's making the turkey, how that's going to get done. You're busting out your uh, recipes for sweet potato casserole and pumpkin pie, and, and I'm just going to stop there so I don't lose you to dreams of lunch or anything, but you guys are thinking about What's coming, planning for football, uh, maybe play some football, watch some football, pass out while you're watching football, something of that nature. So, so here's the deal. I love, this is, it's awesome. This is a great time for us to, no, that's all right. That's fantastic. I'm like, if I can get background music the whole time, will that help you pay attention? Uh, listen, so, so um, one of the things that, that we do in our, in our family around Thanksgiving is uh, we spend some time with the five kernels of corn. You know what I'm talking about? You, you've done this? So, so we have five kernels of corn on our plate because uh, it, it reminds us of the days, uh, the first winter that the pilgrims uh, had where the, literally they were in trouble and they had like next to nothing, got down to a ration of five kernels of corn a day. Uh, but instead of uh, being, you know, complaining and bitter about this and whining about it, they chose to be thankful. What a sweet opportunity for us to just step back and, and just consider all that God has done, all that we have to be thankful for. And I'll tell you this, um, Thanksgiving, as we've been learning, can impact so much in our life. Sometimes it's, there's some things that are uh, maybe a little bit shocking. We've looked so far at the power of Thanksgiving for purity. Uh, last week, we looked at the power of Thanksgiving for uh, adoption and foster care. And today, we are looking at the power of thanksgiving and the way it impacts our money. Money, 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 money. Something like that. Specifically, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to look at our attitude and our willingness to um, give our money away. And I want to tell you this. Giving and how you handle your money is, is a pretty big indicator of who or what you are trusting in. Here, here's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter six. Check this out, I got this for you on the screen. Matthew six, uh, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Doesn't work. Money has this, this temptation, this power to really tempt us to, to put our trust in it and, and believe that it's going to make us happy and it's going to bring us satisfaction and that's where our security lies and we think that if we could just get a little bit more, right? And, 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 and it's one thing to say that, that um, I believe and I love and trust God, but the question is, how's your attitude, how's your attitude when uh, the budget gets really tight? or when the bills are piling up, or when you feel like you're always just a little bit short and you always just need a little bit more. 
See, I think, here, here's the deal. I think God knows how easy it is for us to want money more than we want him. And, and he also knows something that some of you have come to learn, maybe even the hard way, that money is a terrible master. And it leaves you empty and sad. Now, that's what happens. In fact, I, I think of uh, the rich young ruler. Your mind probably goes there as well, Mark chapter 10. There's this young guy comes up to Jesus and asks, like, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus points him to uh, the law. It's like, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. He says, oh, I've done that. I've, I've kept all of that. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, go sell all that you have and follow me. And, and the reason, reason Jesus went there with that guy is because Jesus knew what was ruling that man's heart. In Mark chapter 10, it actually says that that man was disheartened and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. It's kind of an ironic picture for us, isn't it? I mean, this is a guy that had everything that the world says you need in order to be happy. He's got it all, and yet here he is. He went away miserable and, and sad because he wasn't willing to give up what he had because he didn't believe that Jesus was really better. Just leaves you miserable and empty. And so, so, so here's, here's why we're going to talk about this. And, and honestly, if I can say this, I, I, I'm, I think we may not talk about this as often as we should here in the church. But, but this is something that really hits home on a discipleship issue because giving is a sign of maturity. It's a sign that you really love Christ and that you're living sent because you've got the mission in mind and that you're putting him first in your life and your, your purpose is greater than just pleasing yourself and getting your own comfort and your own happiness and you're thinking about something else or something much better than that and you're growing in your trust and you're growing in your generosity. And I just want to tell you, we want that kind of growth in the church. That's what we're looking for. We want, this is the evidence of the Holy Spirit doing a work in your heart. We're not preaching this because we just want more money as a church. We want to see your attitude about money grow to demonstrate a love and a dependence on Jesus and a desire to invest in the advancement of his kingdom. It's like, I want this for us, okay? So let me give you the big idea before we jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's a big idea if you're taking notes. Note this. When we are thankful, when you are thankful for all that God has given you, you'll give cheerfully and generously for his glory. It's going to happen. Like, this is the power of thanksgiving. When you get this, when you understand what Jesus has done, it's going to change your attitude. You're going to start giving generously. You're going to give with a cheerful heart. It's going to impact so much. And so let me show this to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6, Paul says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. 
which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Love this. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. God, we give you praise and we thank you. I think it's good for us to uh, tackle a subject like this that, that touches close to home to all of us. This isn't one that any of us can avoid, and yet uh, it's one that we all need to be reminded of what you've done for us and, 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 and to be able to uh, be thankful for the gift of your son. And God, I pray that that would really, we're asking that you're going to change our hearts and our attitudes so that we really are a thankful people that we're a content and grateful people. And God, I pray that as that is reaching down and touching our hearts, it would also reach down and impact our wallets, our bank accounts, Lord. We, we, we want to be free of anything uh, that, that we would be looking to for our happiness, for our security, for, uh, for our sense of purpose. And like, God, we, we want to get our eyes back up to you and be so thankful for what you've done, who you are, what you've given to us. And we give you praise. I pray that the gospel begins to stir our hearts towards this, that you make us more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name I pray, amen. Well, let me do this. Let me give you four principles for giving that I see here. We're gonna give you four. Uh, four principles for giving. Here's one, note this. You need to give to invest and bless. When, when we give, we wanna understand what we're actually doing. We're investing and we're also uh, blessing others with that. Paul says, verse 6, the point is this. Now, when Paul uses a phrase like that, that means he's basically trying to uh, sum up an argument that he's just made and, and, and kind of giving a bottom line conclusion to what he's been saying. And the question is, like, what's he been saying? Like, we need to kind of back up a little bit, get a little bit of context so we know what he's talking about here. Well, since chapter 8, chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul has been trying to encourage the believers that are in the city of Corinth to be ready to give money to help out their brothers and sisters in Judea who are in need. So basically what's happening is there, there's a massive crisis happening back in Jerusalem, and so Paul took it up as kind of this project where he's going around and he is collecting money to help these believers that are in poverty that are in need. And he's already talked with them about this before in 1 Corinthians. He kind of told them that this was going to need to happen, and here in chapter 9, verse 5, verse 5 kind of indicates that they had already promised that they were going to send some money, that they were going to help out in, in this. And so, so part of the reason that Paul is writing this letter in 2 Corinthians is to make sure that when he comes again, they're going to be ready. They're not going to be embarrassed by not having the money ready when he shows up. He's like, listen, guys, you promised, so make sure you got it ready, because when I come, I want you to be able to give it willingly and, and, and not be embarrassed that you don't have it, you know, have it ready, like we said we were going to do this. So I, I want you to be Ready, he says. And so the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly, but if you sow bountifully, you'll also reap bountifully. So he uses this, this agricultural uh, metaphor uh, to help us understand, like, you, you can't reap what you haven't sown. If you 
if you didn't plant the seed, well, you don't get to harvest. And so what he's saying is, if you want to reap a lot, you've got to sow a lot. Don't expect a lot if you're only going to sow a little. And the sowing here is actually referring to just financial generosity, giving money to help those in need in the body of Christ. And he's saying there's an expectation that if you are giving, you will reap a harvest. And so the question then for us is like, well, what's the, what's the harvest? What's the result that we're hoping for? If we, if we give money, we've got to be really clear on what this is. If I'm, if I'm sowing and I'm giving some money to help, there's, there's something that's coming in return. I'm going to be a part of the, the harvest. What is it that I'm looking for? It, it, it's, not, it's not money back to us, Okay. It's not the way this works. It's not like, well, if I, you know, throw in 50 bucks, then I can expect that God is going to send me 50 bucks back and maybe some interest on top of that. Like, that'd be nice. Like, like, that's not what he's talking about here. I think actually what he's referring to, we see it in verses 12 to 14. It's the results of what's happening because they're willing to bless these people that are in need, that these brothers and sisters, they have their needs supplied, they're, they're, they're overflowing in thanksgiving, they're, they're praising and they're glorifying God, and now they're turning around and thinking about the believers in Corinth and praying for them too, and they have kind of a relationship here. And so, so the harvest that you reap when you sow this way is spiritual growth and unity in the body of Christ. And Paul says, you want more of that? Then, then, then don't just give a little. Like, like if, you're, if you're, you're holding back and you're not sure, it's like, I don't know if I want to, maybe a little and not too much. Like you, you sow a little, you reap a little. But if you sow bountifully, you will also reap bountifully. What this means for you and me means that you and I have an opportunity to invest in what God is doing in and through the church and bless others. You get that? You get an opportunity to invest. Now let me show you just like practically how this works here at Fairfax Bible Church. Okay, our giving... When, when, when we give, uh, that allows us here at our church to have staff that are able to live here in Northern Virginia and spend our time and our energy and giving oversight to uh, the ministries here, the church, and, and the study and the proclamation of God's word, which we see right in the scripture, and, and, and shepherding God's family. Uh, but it also helps us cover costs of like uh, renting facilities like this so that, so that we can gather together and we can worship one another, with, with one another and, and, and we can uh, meet in the office and, and, and we're able to do counseling and spend time in, in prayer and we, we can cover administrative costs so that we can be structured properly and do ministry with integrity and it allows us to resource ministry so that we're building up and developing leaders and small groups and, and students and kids. And it allows us to reach out into our, our community and have uh, projects and events and serve and tangibly demonstrate the love of Christ while we're trying to share the gospel with the people around us. It allows us to do that. But it also allows us as a church to give generously to others as a church. 
And we've been able to send people on missions trips, and we're given to support the work of crew on Mason campus, thankful for the work that they're doing, and regularly committing 5% of our budget to church planting efforts so we can support what God is doing around the world. And that's been allowed us opportunities to help support Harvest Kuala Lumpur's worship leader there to make sure that they have guys that can come alongside and do the work of the ministry. And this next year in 2020, we're going to be making a financial commitment to Christ-centered church in Philadelphia, just trying to support church planting in the inner city on the East Coast. It just like I, I just think about all that God has done, and, and quite honestly, uh, I, I think about the days when we were in a, a pretty rough position. It was only just a, a few years ago, I've told you this before, we were kind of at that point, a lot of it was a question, like I'm not even sure if we're going to be able to pay the bills over the next couple of months. And, and just to look at what God has done, and, and disciples are, are uh, being made, people are being reached with the gospel, our church is growing, we've been in a position to bless others that are in need, we're growing in our sending and our giving capacity, and, and, and all of that is because you have been willing to invest in what God is doing. You see, when you sow bountifully, then you get the joy of being able to participate in reaping bountifully and seeing what God does in and through his church and around the world. So we, we give to invest, but here's the second principle. Note this. Give cheerfully from the heart. I want to show this to you, verse 7. Now, this is going to be important that we kind of recognize this principle going on here. Verse 7, he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. If you didn't notice, there is not a set specific amount of money. It's not like a structured tier system here. Like, like if you want, you can decide to be a, a silver or a gold or even a platinum member, right? And if you, you know, if you give like 500 bucks a month, we'll, you know, make sure that you have a nice parking spot out back and, and, and you know, we'll also throw in a leather Bible, right? If you, you know, at each level costs a certain amount, but you also get certain things in return. But if you only throw in like 20 bucks in the offering bag, well, we don't consider you a real Christian just yet. And like this, not how this works, okay? It's not how it works. And, and, and side note, because some of you, I, I don't know, some of you might even wonder this. Um, like, I, I know I'm your pastor, but I hope you know, like, I don't know what any of you give. I don't ever need to know that. But I do hope you're giving. And Paul is calling us to give here, but, but I don't see here or anywhere else in the New Testament a set expectation on a certain amount or even a percentage that believers have to give. Now, now, I realize that that is debated, okay? Like, I know that there are, there, are, there are brothers and sisters in Christ that I respect dearly, and I'm thankful for their ministry. They would differ on, on this uh, with me, but uh, they're going to point back to the Old Testament, the, the tithe. You've heard this word before? The tithe is the, like, 10% that you're supposed to give because the argument is that that's what Abraham did before the law, and that's what Moses kind of confirmed and required that in the law. Actually, it was even more than that if you get into the nitty-gritty details of the law, but, but, but then even in the New Testament, the 
argument is that at one point, it, it kind of seems like, like Jesus maybe affirms the tithe to the Pharisees when he rebukes them for, for tithing but not doing justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He's like, you should have done all of that. And, and, and so the argument there is like, well, then it still applies to us, except, uh, you know, at that time, Jesus also affirmed temple sacrifices because it was before the new covenant in his blood, but he doesn't expect us to do that now. So here's, here's, here's what I'm trying to say to you. I am not going to preach to you, you're not going to hear this from me, that, that God's word is binding on believers in Jesus that, that you need to give 10% of your gross income. I'm not going to talk to you about that. I'm not going to tell you that. But I would say this. Like, if anything, that there's... there's there's a precedent there. There's an example. And I would say uh, 10% is probably a great starting point for all of us. Uh, because those of us now that, that, that Jesus has come, we can see just how much Jesus has given to us. And so it would be so natural then for us that because of our gratitude, it would just overflow in generosity. In fact, Paul is making the point in verse 6, I don't think he's saying that you're supposed to do some sort of cost-benefit analysis and decide to skimp and just sow less. Like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with just reaping less. A little's okay with me. The point he's trying to say is, I want you to sow bountifully that you might reap bountifully. That's the point he's trying to make. But, but let me be really clear here. This passage in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is about a special offering that's being collected for a specific need. It's actually not about your regular giving. Although regular giving is kind of uh, an expectation for believers. We see uh, God's call to support those who make their living by preaching the gospel. We see uh, the example of New Testament churches partnering to advance God's kingdom. They're, they're bringing their money and laying it down at the elders' feet for the distribution. They're, they're giving to the needy. That's kind of an, uh, an expectation for believers that this is a normal thing that we're doing on a regular basis. But the principle that I want you to see here is verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. It's a heart issue, and that means it's a desire. We give because we want to. Like, this is, this is a choice that I am making. What it means is then I go and I consider uh, my financial position. I, I make a decision about how much I'm going to give. I put it in my budget. I make the donation. I set up a system to then start giving regularly because I'm making this commitment in my heart. I'm going to give to the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. I want to do this. But I want to be really clear. Because it's a heart issue, you got to see what God is saying to you. He's saying, this, I want your heart. God cares more about your heart than about the number of zeros that you type in on that PayPal donation. But I guarantee he's watching your attitude as you type in those zeros because that shows him who or what you're really trusting in, what you want most. And so Paul's saying, I want you to do this because you've decided in your heart this is what you want. Not, he says, not, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Re reluctance there means just it's sorrow, like you're sad. You're literally sad to see it go. I'm sad to see it go because I'm focused on what I'm losing or what I'm missing out on. Well, there goes my Starbucks trip tomorrow. I was hoping to get my Disney Plus subscription with that. We're going to have to cut out an entire day of vacation now. 
Champions League. That, that, is that the attitude that he's looking for? He says, not, not reluctantly and not under compulsion. Like you're just, you're pressured into do it. You're just doing it because somebody's like twisting your arm and laying a guilt trip on you. You're like, oh, I guess I have to. I don't have any choice. I mean, do you honestly think that God is excited when you give like that? I, I think he wants to help you understand. Like, look, I, I, I don't need your money. I want you. I want you to be free of anything that would uh, step into your heart and, and, and make you think that you need more. You need more of that. That's going to help you. I, I want you to understand how, how much I've already given you. I want you to be thankful. I want your heart. Giving is a battleground for the heart. Man, some of us feel that. And we don't want to make the mistake of needing and wanting anything else more than we want Jesus. And being controlled by these idols and then being left disappointed and feeling empty because of our greed and our lust for more and ashamed of our stinginess and our selfishness and the way we've been holding on and what we've been spending it on. Here's what Paul's saying. I love this. I want you to decide in your heart that you're going to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. That's it. It's joy that's bubbling up in your heart that would compel you to give. And all of us can instantly see the difference. If somebody comes up to you and they're going to give you some money and they're like, fine, here, just take it. i got to give it to you anyway. And like, you're like having to like rip it out of their hand. Versus the person that comes up and says, hey, I want to bless you. And can I give this to you? I just, I just want you to have this. And like, do you see the difference? God's like, I want that. That's what I'm after. Why? Why? Because that person is living in the freedom and the joy of the gospel. It's the gospel that's going to make a difference. What, what is it? Think about that. What is it that would, that would make you actually cheerful, that, that would make you excited about giving up what you have? What is it? It's when you recognize the grace that has already been given you that you don't deserve. Cheerful giving is a response to what Christ has done for us. It's when we look at the example of Jesus and we understand who he is and what he's done for us. That's what compels us. In fact, he's already said that back in chapter 8. You can look at it in your Bibles if you want. I've got it for you on the screen. Chapter 8, verse 9. Here's the argument. Here's what he's just, he's already given us the example of, of Christ. Here's what he says, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. We give because he gave. Think about what, think, think about what he had to give up to. Like, like, like where he was in, in, in the presence of the Father, enjoying the glories and the splendors of, of glory, and he gave that up. To come down and enter into our mess. And, and he didn't come to take from us. He didn't come to take our worship and just take our uh, obedience. He, 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 what did he take? He took our sin. And he paid a debt that none of us could ever pay. He gave. This is the power of thanksgiving. Because when you are thankful for all that Jesus has done and all that you have in Christ, well, 
you'll give cheerfully and generously for his glory. I want you to think about your wallet for just a minute. Some, some of you may even be able to just kind of reach back and grab it. Right? If you have it, maybe it's your purse or um, maybe it's your phone. You've got your banking app on there. Whatever it is that you um, use to handle your money. Here's, here's what I want you to realize. What Jesus has done for me changes how I look at this. It changes how I use this. See, see, the gospel should be making a massive impact on our bank account. Because this is not my security. This doesn't guarantee me anything. This is not primarily for my comfort, for my convenience. This is not about what else I can get for me. This is not going to provide meaning for my life. It's when I realize and I look up and I see that all of my security and all of my satisfaction and my purpose is in Jesus. And I see all that I already have in Christ. This allows me to be properly thankful for this and, and loosen up my grip on it. And, and give generously and, and give cheerfully from the heart because this is not my God anymore. Jesus is. You see how the gospel changes so much in our life? And let me give you the, the third principle as we keep going. This will lead right to it. Note this, we need to, we need to give generously as he supplies Give generously as he supplies. He says, verse 8, that, that God is able to make all grace abound to you. I mean, he's just going to pour it on. Verse 9, he distributes freely. He gives us even though we don't deserve it. Back, in verse 10, he goes back to this uh, agricultural metaphor. He's like, just like he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, he's going to supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So God is doing a work in you. And if you want to invest and be a part of what God's doing, then that means he's going to have to supply it. Think about that. You can't give what you don't have. It's got to be given to you. Do you know what that means? That means you and I are absolutely, completely dependent on the Lord. Did you know that? And sometimes we forget that, don't we? This is that reminder when I'm loosening up control on this. I'm having to remember that he's actually in control. But he's the one that has to supply everything that I have everything that I have to give, even the strength and the willingness and the ability to do that, all from him. Has God given you seed to sow? Um, I think it's actually healthy sometimes for us to step back and just consider how much God has given us, even financially. And I know that when you look around, you compare yourself, there's always going to be somebody that has more. I, I, I get that. Um, but it's important for us to remember this, that, that, that here in Fairfax, we are living in one of the richest communities in the history of the world. And I've shared this graphic, I'm gonna put this on the screen before, I've shared this with you before, and, and, and so please forgive me, I'm not, I'm not trying to do this to like uh, lay on the guilt, but sometimes I think we just need to put things into perspective a little bit, and, and we need to be reminded that the, uh, most of the world does not live like us, okay? Most of the world does not live like us. And I plugged in, this is the median household income in Fairfax is $119,000. I plugged that into the globalrichlist.com, uh, which would tell you 
that if that's you, you are the top 0.07% richest people in the world by income. Now, some of you kind of scoff at that. You're like, well, I'm not making that much. But I would suggest to you, and I probably guarantee that no matter what it is that you're making around here, it probably wouldn't move the needle on this scale very much. The only reason I'm showing you this, my, my point is not to berate any of us. Praise God for what he's given to us. But can we just acknowledge that God has given us a lot? Can I ask, I, maybe, maybe we haven't thought about this. Why? Why has God given us so much? I think the answer is in verse 11. Look at verse 11. He says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. That's why. The purpose of God blessing us is so that you and I can be generous to others with what we've been given. And honestly, I think it seems to be the reason that Paul is writing this letter to the believers in the city of, of Corinth because they had the means to meet a need somewhere else. In fact, he said that back in chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. I've got it for you on the screen. He just said this in chapter 8. He said, your abundance at this present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. I don't think Paul is trying to promote, promote some form of, of communism here. I think he's just saying, look, you guys have, they don't. They need your help. Maybe there's going to come a day where you're going to need theirs. But because you have, because of what God has given you, you have an opportunity to give. You have an opportunity to share. And the example of the early church in the New Testament was a love and a concern and a care for their brothers and sisters in the global church. And I can't get past this when I think about the fact that here we are, a church in Fairfax, we're surviving, maybe not thriving, but we're surviving in one of the richest communities in the history of the world that has to say something to us. And, and, and I know like, we, we want to be responsible for what God has given to us. We want to be good stewards. There's a lot that we have to cover, and, and we're trying to be very responsible about that. But, but let's be honest. It would be easy for us to kind of look at it and be like, man, we can't, we can't send money to Kuala Lumpur or Philadelphia. I mean, we're just a struggling church plan ourselves, and we, we don't even have our own building yet. We're still a portable church. We've got limited staff. There are needs here. We've got needs here, and we do. And like I'm talking like a madman when I say this, like God has given us so much and like so thankful for everything that he's given. And there's always going to be needs here. But part of the reason that God has given to us is so that we can give to others. And I think our desire to see God's supply, it, it can't be self-centered. It can't be focused on what we're going to get, what I'm going to get, what I need, what I want, and getting more. If God is going to supply more, it gives me more opportunity that I would give generously as he supplies. See, Paul's goal is, is not, I mean, he's, he's, this is a project. He needs to raise some money. These people need some help. But his goal is not that he would just get a bunch of money from them. His, his goal is that their hearts would want to give. 
Because they, they have a genuine love and concern for their brothers and sisters who are in need. Because giving is just a part of being a disciple. That, that means that you love, you show a love for Christ and a love for others and a willingness to put their needs before your own. So I'm very aware that for some of you, yeah, some of you have been given so much. Do you see your opportunity to be generous? Let me give you this last and, and final principle here. Note this. We need to give for his glory. Give for the glory of God. Look at verses 12 and, and 13 here again. He says the, the, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. What he's saying is those brothers and sisters, they, man, they had a need, but they're seeing the gospel on display through your submission to Christ on this matter and your generosity in sending money to help supply their needs. And not only are their needs being supplied, but man, they're growing in thanksgiving. They're like praising God for this and they're giving God the glory. That's the power of thanksgiving on display in the church. It's, 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 it's like an overflowing fountain that just keeps replenishing itself because when, when we are overwhelmed with gratitude for all that Jesus has done and all that we have been given, it compels us to give generously and invest in God's kingdom, which then blesses the body of Christ so that it produces more thanksgiving in the lives of other believers and more disciples are growing, more disciples are submitting to Christ, more disciples are giving generously, and God gets all the glory in all of it. And he says, verse 14, that, that, that while, they, while they long for you and pray for you, I love this, just think, think about what's, this is crazy. There, there are believers in the city of Corinth, there are believers in Judea, they've never even met one another. And yet they share a love and a unity that is only possible in the body of Christ. And I love how he, he ends this. We, we give and we support because we're not just thinking about ourselves anymore. Our hearts are growing in a love for Christ, a love for his church. And Paul just concludes verse 15, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. We give because we're so thankful for the gift of God's son. Now, I don't know how the Holy Spirit's like pressing in on you to apply this one. And I'm guessing that... that um, for some of you, you need to just start giving something to the Lord. Maybe just anything. And just start giving something to the Lord. Get, start, give to the church. If this is your home church, give to Fairfax Bible Church and what God's doing here and what God's doing around the world. For, for others of you, it might mean that you need to uh, really actually start putting it in the budget. You need to go back, make a plan and, and start giving regularly. Put it in the system. And, and, and this is something that Chris and I had to learn early on, like, if you don't put it in the plan and you wait till it's like, well, if I have it over, left over, well, that never happens. So we had to learn to make it really our first fruit. So we're just going to, that's, that's going to the Lord. We got to give that to him. Make that plan. For others, if you, it might actually be just kind of taking a look at it and just considering that maybe we need to give more. God has given us so much. Maybe some of you are given, you're giving regularly, you're giving generously, maybe for you that, that would be looking for other opportunities to go above and beyond. Maybe it's during this holiday season, somebody's got a need, there's something that you could meet or somebody else is going to advance the work of, of God's work around the world and you have opportunity to bless. I think all of it, we're not doing this like 
begrudging obedience. God is after our hearts. He wants cheerful and thankful giving. Father, I pray that you would show us again just how great and gracious you have been to us, how kind you have been to us. Lord, there's a certain sense of freedom that some of us have experienced because we've learned to let go and and not hold on so tightly and not always be concerned about how much more can we get and what is this going to be able to get us and and, and can we raise our standard of living even higher and Lord, we just want to say thank you for everything that you've given. It's all yours. We just acknowledge our absolute dependence on you. And you've been so good. You've been so gracious to us. Lord, I also pray that you would help us to start seeing our bank accounts in light of the mission. And be willing, because we've we've got joy, to cheerfully give it away and, and to sow bountifully. Because we want to see the work that you are doing in and around the world continue to expand so that believers' needs are being met, so that we're reaching the lost with the gospel, so that the church is growing up in maturity, so that we're actually developing relationships with other churches that maybe we've never even met, but we're growing in love and unity for one another in that we're on mission together then ultimately you are getting the glory for all of it. You're an awesome God and we give you praise and thanksgiving in Jesus' name.